Hi guys, I'm Laura. And I'm Vanessa. And welcome to another episode of a Tap on the Wrist podcast. Episode 85. Episode 85. 85. It's Halloween Ghost Stories Part 2. Part 2. And we're recording this intro on actual Halloween. Yes. You're going to be listening to this after Halloween, but we're recording it on Halloween. So happy Halloween. We hope you had a great one. We hope you're ready for part two of our ghost stories. Yeah, just keeping that spooky spirit alive for a little bit longer. And we're staying in the state of Florida. Yes. I don't think we've actually mentioned that we decided to do Florida bars last week. Uh, It is where Laura grew up. Um, I have a it lot is of fans. the scariest state. <laughs> <laughs> she can say that because she's from there. Yeah. And also because we all know that's true. <laughs> um, I have a lot of family in Florida, so I go visit. Well, not recently because of COVID, but I used to go visit quite a lot. Um, and uh, we just thought it might be a place where there were some interesting bar stories. And we found so many. We did. We had to do two parts. So welcome to part two. We hope you enjoyed last week's stories. If you are just tuning in for the first time, welcome to a tap on the wrist. But also go back, listen to part one from last week, and then keep on going. Do a yeah. two-hour binge. Yeah, exactly. Last night we actually had uh, a ho- little Halloween game night, or I had, Laura attended, but she did help me set up, so bless. And we found these really cool sour beers um, at, like, the bodega by me, like, randomly had a wide variety of beers. Yeah. It's um, a great bodega. <laughs> and one was a key lime pie beer, and the other was a, like, blueberry crumble. Yeah. Um, and you just looked up the... Yeah, so the Key Lime Pie beer, it was a sour from Prairie Brewery or Prairie Artisanal Ales. Um, and it was really good. It it wasn't super Key Lime. Yeah, it didn't... But it was quite tart. Yeah, it didn't... It wasn't, it wasn't like your Key Lime Pie cocktail that tasted like you were literally drinking Key Lime Pie. Um. But it was good. Like, I still liked it a lot. Yeah. I just don't know 100% what the taste was. But it was sour. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I did too. And I think sour beers, as we've mentioned before, definitely having a moment this year. So it was nice to find one that wasn't, like, all berries. Yeah. Even though I love a good berry sour, but, like, a key lime sour was nice. Yes. And then... And then we did have a berry one. We did. We had the blueberry (laughs) crumble... But that was more than just blueberries. It was like blueberry pie. It was like blueberry, vanilla, cinnamon. Yep. And lactose. Yeah. I was like, shit, I have to take a lactate pill to drink this beer. Because uh, it specifically said it had lactose. But it was really tasty. It was. It was it delicious. Did, it did have a really strong blueberry taste. That yeah. one did taste like blueberry. And that was from Distill Brewery. So shout out to them for making good, unique sour beers. Um, and just... It was a good night. Yeah. We played a lot of games. It's, I think this might, I think this might be the first party that I bought beer for myself to drink. Instead of wine or Or cider or liquor, yeah. So that was an exciting moment. It was. (laughs) The key lime pie was very cidery. 
Oh, yes, we did say that. We said the key lime pie beer kind of tasted like a cider. So if you are a cider drinker and you want to try a beer, highly recommend. Yes, definitely. But, you know, back back to Florida. She Florida, but she can't. <laughs> can't wait for that shirt um okay well happy halloween again i know it's already passed but we hope it was safe we hope you had a good time we hope you didn't eat too much candy or did whatever yeah i mean sure do do you you're a grown Uh, person hopefully (laughs) if you're listening to this podcast (laughs) and make sure you check us out on social media we'll be posting pictures Maybe some from our party, like your game night, uh, and definitely pictures from this week's episode. So check us out on Instagram and Twitter. We are at a tap on the wrist. And if you have any really good sour beer recommendations or, you know, story recommendations, whatever, really, shoot them our way. Uh, You can send us an email at tapontheristpodcast at gmail.com. And enjoy the episode. So this story is a short one, but I wanted to tell it because of something that I'll get to at the end. Okay. Intrigued. Also, did you realize I'm wearing a Florida shirt? O-M-G. Did you do that on purpose? Yeah. I wanted to get in the spirit. Should I go put my in Florida the shirt? spirit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Someone's um. still high on Halloween candy. <laughs> So, this story is a restaurant called Pelican Alley. And I, I, I'm going to ask you if you know how to say this. I think it's Nokomis, Florida? Never heard of it. Okay, well, that's what we're going with, and I'm sorry if that is not how you say it. So, according to Pelican Alley's website, on August 1st of 1883, President Chester A. Arthur granted a man named Chauncey Howley a section of land... Uh, that was to be used to attract more people to Florida. Because apparently even back then it had not great PR. <laughs> First off, can we talk about... I forgot the president's name already. <laughs> <laughs> Chester A. Arthur? <laughs> like, what did that president do? I don't know. Is that even a president? <laughs> Does the website have it right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's Google him. Chester A. Arthur. Uh, he was, okay. He was actually a president of the United States. He's the 21st president of the United States. <laughs> so he granted this land. Uh, eventually, Chauncey, I guess, decided to uh, give up this land. And in the early 1900s, uh, a family called the Chadwick family acquired the property and built a fish house. Uh, on it. They ran this fish house until the property was taken over by Fred and Alice Saunders, who opened the Gulf and Bay Fishing Resort, which had the slogan, Boats Bait Beer. Simple. To the I point. mean, to the point. I like it. <laughs> when they retired, they sold the property to the Arbuckle family, uh, and the restaurant became the Admiral's Ward, ward Room. Robert and Janet Arbuckle ran the restaurant until 1821. 1821. I don't even know why I just said that year. Because it's 1981. (laughs) (laughs) 
when they sold it to Robin Sweeney, who finally turned it into the Pelican Alley that is there today. Floridians love their pelicans. Do they? Yeah. Big <laughs> bird in Florida. I didn't know that. Um, and I did say that Robert and Janet Arbuckle sold the restaurant, but I do want to note that apparently Robert died just before he could complete that sale. Um, apparently, the restaurant has now been investigated by several paranormal groups who claim that multiple ghosts reside at Pelican Alley. Employees report hearing footsteps late at night, seeing doors open and close on their own, and spotting objects mysteriously moving. You know, normal ghost stuff. People also claim to feel an odd presence. Uh, and though there may be several different ghosts doing these things, according to the investigators, most people agree that one of the ghosts is the previous owner, Robert Arbuckle Sr. So the one who died before he could make the sale. Mm-hmm. In an article from the Herald Tribune, a co-owner of the restaurant named Tom Adorna described the first time that he learned of the haunting back in 1995. He said, at that time I was doing all the nights. I started hearing all kinds of strange noises and things like that. It always seemed to be that it always seemed to be when I was locking up for the night. One night I saw an older gentleman in the kitchen. I thought we were being robbed. I asked my partner and he told me about Mr. Arbuckle. I asked the cleaning crew guys who had been there for about five years and one guy finished my sentence. Have you ever seen the old man? He said. And it was and he put it that the old man was messing with them. When asked about the haunting, Arbuckle's living son said that he wouldn't put it past his dad. He said that his father loved the place and it wouldn't surprise him if he stopped by for a drink or two. Now that's basically the story. I couldn't find a ton online um, about the hauntings besides kind of those generic facts. But the reason that I wanted to bring it up was because the one thing I could find was an apparent video of the ghost of Mr. Arbuckle. Oh. And I found it at 12 a.m. last night, and I did not want to watch it by myself. <laughs> so I have the link, and I'm going to make Laura watch it with me. So we could, I guess we can pause while we – or we'll just edit it out, but I'm going to make you watch the video with me. Okay. Okay. You haven't seen it? No. I was too scared. I was like, what if I get haunted by watching it? Okay. Okay. So it says, the ghost's name is Robert Arbuckle. Listen closely to the ghost hunters and watch the window in the kitchen door. You can see the shadow of the old man in profile view. The video was taken in Pelican Alley, a restaurant located in Nokomis, Florida. We'll post the link to the video on like Twitter or something. Do you see it? The shadow? Of it? I'm telling you, something jumps out. This is a fake video, Vanessa. No, do you see the shadow? Well, yes, I see a shadow, but that could be someone in the bar. <laughs> I think that's what they're talking about. Yeah, but how do I know someone's not in there? Doesn't it kind of look like an arm right there? Like someone moving? I mean, yes. Do I see something in the window? But, like, they're, like, across the street in a van. <laughs> like, who's not to say there's not someone in there? Yeah. And you're just seeing a person's shadow. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, you could see a ghostly figure. Like, that could be someone in that kitchen. Yeah, it could be. But uh, we'll post the video and you can let us know what you think. 
Probably yeah, I mean, on Twitter. I probably still wouldn't want to watch it at midnight alone. Right. But you guys watch it. We'll put it on Twitter. We're at a tap on the wrist on Twitter and Instagram. So we'll be posting pictures of all of our bars this week. Nice social media shout out. Thanks. But, um, oh. so that's apparently our buckle. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the article that I read about it was, again, from the Herald Tribune. It's called Giving Up the Ghost by Kevin O'Horan, uh, and also the Pelican Alley website. Okay, so my story this week takes place, last week you said when you originally thought about Florida haunted places, you thought St. Augustine. Yeah. My mind immediately went Key West. Okay. And so... Key West. That's where I looked. Because Key West is eccentric. And so I knew there had to be... Something. Something. (laughs) And sure enough, located at 428 Green Street in Key West, Florida, sits a very well-known, yet eccentric bar called Captain Tony's. And like, there are so many shenanigans at this bar that I'm going to tell you about. So Can't you, wait. You're just going to have to buckle in. I cannot wait. there are lots of weird things happening. So, I just want to start. It's so well known uh, that Jimmy Buffett was a regular there. Okay. Of of Jimmy Buffett Key West fame. Jimmy Buffett. Laura <laughs> has had a sign since last Christmas about Jimmy Buffett Christmas being played by Alexa. Yeah. It's still on my wall. Anyways, um, there's a song by Jimmy Buffett called Last Mango in Paris. Last Mango in Paris. And I'm going to just play you the beginning of this song. Jimmy Buffett for playing that song. Well, no, we played less than the amount you need to get sued over. Okay. I don't know. Um, shout out to Jimmy Buffett. Download the song and buy it. But um, <laughs> I just wanted to play it because, like, that's how well known the song is. Like, it is the opening line of the song of this song, Captain Tony's Bar. Like, Jimmy Buffett is a fan. Okay. However, Captain Tony's was not always a bar. It actually did not start that way at all. It was built in 1851 as an ice house in Key West. And they would supply boats traveling up and down the Atlantic coast with ice. Okay. Now, as you can imagine, in the Keys, there's not too many freezing cold ice houses so the city decided to also make Captain Tony's ice house the uh, city morgue. Because it's the coldest place in the city. So, so this place had dead bodies on ice, but also were supplying ice to boats to keep their goods. Yeah. They were just like, let's just move this guy over. Get this a little bit of this ice. Have a slushy. Don't think about it too hard. Okay, but yes. So it was built as an ice house. It then also served 
at the same time as the city morgue, which really helps us understand why a storm that comes through in 1865 might leave the bar a little bit haunted. Uh, and so after a horrendous hurricane ravages the Keys in 1865, it caused water to pour through the entire island of Key West, destroying nearly everything in its wake. Uh, it said the storm surge was well over 20 feet, which if you know anything about Florida, it's practically underwater already. Yeah. So a 20-foot storm surge is going to cause everything to be underwater. Yeah. And... All of the bodies that were in the morgue awaiting burial or autopsy were washed away in this surge, except for one body that remained inside, like kind of stuck in Mm -hmm. the building or whatever structures were left of the building. Uh, And it was later buried beneath what would be rebuilt as Captain Tony's bar, Uh, because I guess didn't know who it was after all the cleanup and time to like you know yeah, proper it, burial it's a, it's a while like after a hurricane yeah. demolishes things to it's properly clean not up. a great condition yeah so they buried that body uh under what they then rebuilt the building um but before they built the building they did build what's <laughs> called a bottle wall I was going to say, so his remains remain. Yeah. (laughs) Man, you should write for, like, NCIS. (laughs) But, um, I guess in an attempt to kind of leave the body in in harmony or whatever, they built something called... I I don't know the right word. I can't think right now. But, um... So that, because they were building on top of it, and they wanted it to rest in in peace. So they built a bottle wall around the remains, which basically they filled, like, glass Coke bottles or beer bottles with holy water. And then they built... What the fuck? I'm not not kidding. And then they built a cinder block, like, burial plot, put this body in it, but in between some of the cinder blocks, they put... The holy water bottles. In Coke bottles? They're glass bottles. That's all you can see when they found it. <laughs> and then That's so they, weird. like, poured the foundation and, like, built on top of this person's burial ground. Was the hope that the holy water would make it not haunt them? Correct. Okay. Now, the morgue moved uh-huh. shortly after there. Uh, and the building changes. Over the years, it's lots of things. It is a wireless telegraph station in the 1890s. Then in the 1910s, it becomes a cigar factory. At some point, it switches from a cigar factory to a bar. Uh, It becomes very popular with members of the Navy. Mm -hmm. So popular that it's rumored the Navy declared it off limits when the boys were in Key West. Um... It becomes multiple speakeasies during Prohibition, specializing in gambling women and bootleg rum. And then following Prohibition in 1933, um, a famous kind of bootlegger in the area buys it and turns it into a legit bar. And calls it Sloppy Joe's, which was their nickname. 
So Sloppy Joe's opens in 1933 and is a very successful bar. Uh, so successful that someone who I believe we've mentioned in previous seasons and other stories, um, it was a favorite stop of Ernest Hemingway. Oh, yeah. Uh, he spent many evenings in Key West at Sloppy Joe's from, like, the years 1933 to 1937. I was actually, when you you mentioned Key West, I was going to say Ernest Hemingway is who I always associate with Key West. And so from the 1930s all the way up until the 1950s, the bar kind of passes through a couple different hands. You know, people buy it, change mm. it slightly. But in 1958... Captain Tony buys the bar. Captain Tony. Tony is Tony Terracino. He was a well-known local charter boat captain. And he named the saloon after himself. And this is really where the haunted stories start to kind of come alive. Which I'm just going to preface now. Some people believe many of them are fake that Captain Tony was kind of full of himself and started them but some of the things I'm about to explain to you I just I don't know how they could be made up like it's very bizarre okay some of the things that you they found in this bar okay but I guess anything is possible so whatever so it's said that visitors kind of always feel a sense of eeriness about the building uh, because there is so much history there, it's also got a lot of Key West. Mm-hmm. Like, it's bright colors, it's crazy decor. Uh, the saloon, it's not lit very well, so it's like dimly lit, but then there's got like the bright paint colors as it would. Uh-huh. But it's fully decorated, like, Floor to ceiling decorated with like license plates, dollar bills, ladies' bras, and business cards from visitors around the world. So let me just pull up a picture for you. Okay. And I would like you to explain to our listeners what you are seeing. Okay. Um, okay. So like here's picture one. Oh, kind of looks like. Do you remember the story I told last season? Um, about that bar where the women hang their bars from the bras from yeah. the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of bras, a lot of license plates. Yes. Uh, and then here, like the ceiling is just covered. And then there's like dollar bills and business cards like stapled. Yeah. All over. I watched a video on YouTube of like, oh, like all the dollar bills. That's kind of cool looking. Yeah. So it is just it's very eccentric. Yeah. Um, I I know I've said that word eighteen times in this episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so the decor is the decor, <laughs> but none of that is the weirdest thing in the middle of Captain Tony's. You will find. A very real, very alive, large-ass tree growing in, in the, the middle of the bar. Is it growing out of the dead person? No. Oh. 
But the tree does have a name. Okay. Tree is known as the hanging tree. Oh. Because once upon a time, this tree was where they would hang people in the town. Uh, and the rumor is that 18 people were hung from this tree. 17 of them hanged. Hang. It does say hanged, and I thought that was wrong. I wrote hanged. It is hanged. I know. It, it always sounds wrong, but it's, it is. I actually typed hanged, and then as I was, like, reading it, I was like, <laughs> that's the wrong tense. So 18 people were hanged from this tree, 17 of which were charged with piracy, but the 18th was not. And this is uh, our first ghost we're going to talk about. Okay. So this was a local woman who is said to have murdered her husband and her two sons in her front yard down the street from the hanging tree. Oh. And her neighbor saw this scene. The woman was just kind of standing in front of her home, sent for police. And when the police arrived at her home... She was wearing her blood-soaked blue dress, and so there was, like, absolutely no doubt that she had just murdered her family. Yeah. They didn't even go to court. They didn't arrest her. They took her straight to the hanging tree and hanged her. I mean. So she haunts the bar. Yeah. <laughs> um. So... There is no name attached to her. She's called the Lady in Blue because her dress was blue. Didn't we... Didn't you just do a story with the Lady in Blue? Today? No. <laughs> the uh, other ghost episode that we did. Oh, maybe. Oh. That restaurant that, like, lied. <laughs> Wasn't it also a Oh, I think blue? she was the woman in blue. Yeah. I was like, I know there was another person in blue. Uh, and so many people have claimed to see see her, to have seen her. Um, and people say they have evidence on photographs. Uh, but she does haunt the building. Okay. And like most stories with women, she haunts the woman's bathroom. Of course she does. And so... Here are what people have said. One woman reported that she tried to go into the first stall of the woman's bathroom, but it was locked. So then she went into the second stall, and she noticed that there was no one in the first stall. She didn't really think much of it. Washes her hands, goes back out, enjoys the night with her friends. Before leaving, she goes back into the restroom, again tries the first stall, mm -hmm. and it's locked strange uh and then before she knew what was happening the outside door to the restroom opened and closed although there was no one seen there mm -hmm. and then she went back to like she went further into the bathroom and like into a separate stall and heard the door of the first stall unlock and then slam. And so she like jumped up to see what was happening. And there was no one else in the bathroom. And when she walked out, the first stall was still locked. That's creepy. 
Very. I don't know. I don't I, like it. I, I don't like it either. I feel like I would have left after the main door opened and closed by itself. I know. I would have been like, I can pee somewhere else. Agreed. <laughs> but that is not the only encounter with the afterlife that you might see at Captain Tony's. Uh, during the 1980s, Tony decided to do some renovations and expand the bar. And they decided to dig down because... They the find Coke bottle by. They did find Coke bottle by. <laughs> um, so that is when they uncovered what is the the wall uh-huh. of um, this... What is it called? Uh, crypt? I guess it's a crypt. Yeah, because they like buried the body in. So... Now, if you go to Captain Tony's and you go to the billiard room, which is, like, on the lower level, uh, there it, you can see one side of this Coke bottle wall. And you can see oh, the I bottles. I don't really like that. No. No. I don't feel comfortable with that. No. <laughs> uh, they also found bones of about a dozen bodies under the floor, which they believe no. maybe are some of the other victims of that 1865 hurricane. Not a fan. Um, and they unearthed not one, but two gravestones. Like, what the hell is happening? Uh, and so the first gravestone is a young woman named Elvira, or Elvira, uh, and her gravestone is very clear. We'll post a picture, but, like, there's no story. No one knows who she is, but, like, her entire gravestone is on the floor of this pool room in this bar. Which is just weird to me. So, like, her body could have been one of those sets of bones or just somewhere else completely? Right. Taken away by the flood? Yeah. Nobody knows. She was only 19 years old. It is very clear. Right. That's what I mean. Like, I, so, I don't know. I feel like it... Mm, is Captain Tony playing with us? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Does it really look like a tombstone <laughs> from 1822? I don't know. Anyways, that, that is literally on the floor where you play pool. Okay. And then underneath the hanging tree. Is this the other one? Yeah, so that underneath the hanging tree is a second burial marker of Reba Sawyer. And the story goes that Reba was originally buried in the Key West Cemetery when she died in 1950. But after her death, her husband found letters that exposed an affair that she had been having with another man. And in these letters, she found he found out that she had spent many evenings at Captain Tony's with her lover. So he went to the cemetery, dug up her headstone, brought it to Captain Tony's, and placed it under the hanging tree, shouting, here is where she wanted to be. Here is where she'll stay. Wow. Before you told that story, I was going to ask if she was a single mom who worked two jobs. <laughs> No. Um, and then in 1819, in 1989, Captain Tony was elected mayor of Key West. Okay. Sold his bar, but would hold court there every Thursday night, telling stories of all the years he worked there and owned it until he passed away in 2008. And I just have one more story about it. The okay. current owner... Calls himself a little bit of a skeptic. He kind of believes Captain Tony may have set some of these up as gimmicks. Yeah. However, he does believe the building truly is haunted. 
because he has had some ghostly encounters. Uh, and the one that he talks about the most is one evening or early morning around 4 a.m. Uh, he was working late and he heard a voice call out to him. And he got up from his desk to investigate and saw no one there. And so he walked to the back of the bar and noticed that the back doors were wide open, even though he had locked them hours before. Mm -hmm. So couldn't really explain it. Didn't know whose voice he'd heard, but he kind of brushed it off. And he'd heard the voice a few times over a couple of years. And then a few years later, again, early in the morning, around 3, 4 a.m., he hears this voice that he's heard say, don't leave. And that would make me leave. <laughs> and so Joe runs up. He checks the back doors. This time they're closed, mm-hmm. not wide open. And they were locked. Checks the bar, finds nothing out of the ordinary. And he locks up and goes home. Hours later, though, at 6 a.m., Joe gets a call from the police saying that the body of a young teenage girl was found in front of Captain Tony's and that she had called her mother just after overdosing on pills to commit suicide. And when her mother called the police, they found her in front of Captain Tony's and Joe truly believes that the spirit was trying to tell him to stay and that he might have saved that girl's life. Oh, that's kind of sad. I know. I've now... Read this, written this, and then retold this, and I still have goosebumps. Yeah. I don't know why this one story creeps like me the out. Ghost was trying to help. Yeah, Ooh. I I seriously get chills every yeah. time I think about it. Like, blah. Uh, but so that's the story of Captain Tony's. It's very crazy. I want to go to Key West. It is on my list of places because I've actually never been. I haven't either. But, like, Captain Tony's just sounds like a place to go and have a beer. Because, like, how crazy. They've got, see like... someone's freaking tomb or crypt or whatever. Yeah. The, the hanging tree in the middle of... Like, this tree is literally in the middle of the bar, Vanessa. That is wild. So, add that to our list. Oh, here we go. Here's a picture of the hanging tree. Literally, bar stools, big tree. ass tree. There's... The tombstone. Yeah. Wild. What so, a wild oh, and place. Here, here, pool. Here's that. Oh. Ooh, I don't like it. Mm-mm. We will post all these pictures um, for you online to see. But um, that's Captain Tony's in Key West. Interesting place. Yes. And my sources, uh, most of my, I, I did use the Captain Tony's website uh, as well as ghostofgravestones.com. And oldtownmanor.com, they had, like, a whole write-up on Captain Tony's. It's very well known if you go to Key West. Okay, so my last story also has a section in it that gives me the chills and creeps me out. It's why I texted you last night and said that I was was going to have fun trying to fall asleep. Um, and it is called Ashley's Restaurant and Bar in Rockledge, Florida, which I also have never heard of. Have you? Yes. Okay. It's Central Florida. Why'd you you say it like that? (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) She Florida, but she not cute. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Ashley's was originally opened in 1933 as Jack's Tavern. Um, and it was on the site of an old railroad depot that had burned to the ground. Over the years, the bar has had several owners and several different names, including a couple of my favorites, the Mad Duchess and the Loose Caboose. Ooh, the Loose Caboose. <laughs> Which it was built like on, like on a train, a railroad depot, so it makes sense. Uh, it's also been called Sparrowhawk and Gentleman Jim's. Uh, and this was all before it became Ashley's in 1985. So the bar is described on its website as a Tudor-style wood and stucco building furnished with old stained glass windows and antique pictures on the dark wood walls, which sounds like very New England to me. Yeah. So it seems like kind of out of place in Florida. Um, I even like looked at a picture of it and I was like, that doesn't look like a Florida bar to me, but... Right, you think, like, beach vibes. Yeah. Bars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it is one of Horda's. Horda's. <laughs> she can't bless you, Florida. <laughs> one of Florida's most haunted restaurants and bars. So, according to the legend, in 1934, uh, a year after Jack's Tavern opened, a 19-year-old girl named Ethel Allen was found brutally murdered on the shores of the nearby Indian River. One source noted that her body had been found mutilated and burned, uh, and that it seemed like a crime of passion, though no one was ever charged in the murder. Uh, and I think there are actually, like, articles and stuff that confirm that this murder actually did take place. It's not just, like, a made-up right. story. Um one of the last places Ethel was noted as having been seen was at Jack's Tavern. She apparently was like a frequent patron. Uh, she loved it there. And according to a psychic who visited the establishment, it is likely where her murder actually took place. The psychic believed to have had a vision of the murder taking place because her body, was, again, wasn't found there. It was found nearby. Right. Um, but it was the last place she was seen. And so the psychic claims that the murder actually happened at the bar in the tavern and her body was moved interesting <clears throat> um other people have said the same that they feel that the murder had took place at the bar but no one really agrees on where some people say that it happened in the bathroom others say on the second floor others say the storage room um and others say just outside the front door and then of course there are people who don't think it happened there at all but uh, either way, a paranormal investigator allegedly snapped a picture of a female entity floating down the stairs, and it is believed to be Ethel. Now, unfortunately, unlike Scarlet's from last week, uh, and more like every other haunted restaurant we've ever talked about, including Captain Jack's, there Captain Tony's, Captain Tony's, Captain Jack Sparrow's, who I was thinking <laughs> of, Captain Tony's, uh, the women's bathroom is haunted. Of course. <laughs> Uh, a manager at the bar once reported seeing the feet of a woman dressed in 1930s era footwear in the stall next to her. Uh, and obviously she found that odd. So she exited the stall, went to check, and there was nobody in the stall once she Never exited. is. Never is. Uh, another employee said that she once was in the bathroom and when she tried to get out, a force pushed the exit door closed so that she couldn't get out. 
Uh, and she struggled for a while before it finally just like burst open and let her out. Uh, and this is the part that like, I don't know why this lingers in my head, oh, but I'm real nervous. Apparently it is very common for guests to be like washing their hands and they'll look up in the mirror and see a woman standing directly behind them. Nope. I'm out. <laughs> and then when they turn around, there's no one there. And I don't know why that creeps me out so much. Like, imagine uh, you look up and there's just someone fucking standing right no, there. No, it's like your worst nightmare. And I, so after I wrote the story, I went to the bathroom to brush my teeth and I was like, <laughs> like I feel like I was so like that's all I could keep thinking. Oh, someone standing behind me when I looked up in the mirror. I uh, mean, uh, it's like oh no. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like haunted bathrooms. Why do we do this? I, I feel like if I was at a restaurant and I saw a random ghostly figure. In the mirror behind, I would die. I would be a ghost with them. I would join. I would join Ethel. <laughs> like Ethel, take me. <laughs> I would just die right there. Oh my god. Um, I'd probably scream so loud, people would think a murder were happening. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know what I would do. Like, I honestly, I don't know. I can't. It's terrifying. Um, Ethel, however, is not the only ghost at Ashley's. Some of the other ghosts who have been reported are a child. No. Uh, either a boy and or a girl. Um, which children ghosts are so fucking creepy. It's just creepy. Uh, as well as a man that could have been killed either in front of Ashley's in a car accident or on the train tracks behind Ashley's. Um, there's a story in particular about one of the children ghosts. It says that in the 1940s, a man was dragged down the stairs of Ashley's by police officers uh, with his daughter watching and crying during the whole ordeal. And when they took him outside to put him in the car, she ran out into the road and was killed. Mm -hmm. uh, and she is one of the ghosts that haunts there now, which is pretty sad. Yes. Uh, another story claims that the restaurant and bar are haunted by a longtime employee who had worked at the restaurant for many years and lived upstairs. And just, you know, stick around. So besides a couple of fun things I mentioned about Ethel, uh, people have also claimed to feel like they're being pushed by an invisible force while on the stairs. Uh, some people claim to feel that it's like malignant, like someone trying to hurt you. Other people claim that it feels like a child who wants attention and is feeling ignored. I don't like, like either option. Me. And just pushes you on the stairs. Other people have reported feeling icy hands on their shoulders and back. Which more nope. I mean, that I don't mind as much as long as I'm not peeing. You don't mind just a random hand on your back? <laughs> well, yes, I mind. But <laughs> it doesn't scare me as much as like... Seeing a ghost face yeah, in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Other things that have been reported are whispering after the restaurant has closed, uh, lights flickering on and off during the night, the television turning on and off, the burglar alarms going off inexplicably, uh, kind of like our friend George at Scarlet's last week, um, as well as glasses and dishes falling and breaking without cause. So coming back to Ethel specifically, 
people believe that she also tries to show people like how she was murdered. So apparently the police station across the street has reported hearing an alarming scream, female scream in the middle of the night coming from the building, which they believe is Ethel. Uh, and people often report feeling that they are like a slight choking sensation around their necks as they travel down the hall that leads to the bathroom, to the haunted bathroom. So you get choked as you're going to the bathroom and then you no. die seeing ghosts. Ashley's <laughs> is not on my to-visit list. It's not on your to-visit and pee-in list. <laughs> and in terms of the other ghosts, people claim to sometimes see a little girl out of the corner of their eyes playing and dancing. Nope, don't like that. Uh, a paranormal team claims to have come into contact with a four-year-old boy at the restaurant, but it's really just that one paranormal team, so definitely not true. Uh, Is that a real job? Paranormal investigator? I guess. I mean, the, there was that show Ghost Hunters. Do you remember that show? Well, yes, but like, people get paid real money? I think so. Oh, it just seems like a strange job. I know. Well, like the Conjuring, the couple that it's based on, I forget their names, but it's based on a real couple that were like famous paranormal investigators. Okay. They have a haunted museum in Connecticut. I think the wife is still alive. Well, it's because she just died. I don't know, but apparently the real Annabelle doll is there. Okay. So back to Ashley's. <laughs> Laura seems really ecstatic about uh, the haunted museum. In terms of the former employee, uh, he has been photographed not once but twice by paranormal investigators. Uh, once, one of the photos shows an older man with a towel over his arm standing by the inside of the bar. And another time he was photographed standing on the employee staircase. Uh, he apparently also moves chairs and objects around and straightens pictures on the wall. So he's a helpful ghost. Okay. You know, I'm more fine with that. You know, fix fix my pictures. Don't scare me in the bathroom. Yeah, I'll take that. He also um, may be territorial, though. Uh, so it's been reported that when people go onto the employee staircase, uh, he may push or choke them. So, you know. Employees? Not, no, like, random people. He doesn't, he doesn't like it. Oh. He's like, this is for employees. You fuck. And then chokes you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but that person who, like, pushes and chokes may not be him. It may actually be another male entity that has been reported. There's just a lot of fucking ghosts in this bar, okay? Yeah, no one like, knows who does what. <laughs> why does this one bar have so many? I don't know. So some people claim that this other male entity may even be Ethel's murderer. Um, so in addition to that aggressiveness on the staircase, employees report feeling a sense of doom in the storage area uh, and some of the corridors around it, which, again, is one of the places people suspect Ethel could have been murdered. Um... The ghost was caught on camera by paranormal investigators walking through the front door, this other male entity. So there's the employee, this random male, Ethel, the little girl, maybe a little boy. It's a lot. You know, I think I would get a job at a different... 
And apparently a lot of these pictures taken by paranormal investigators are hanging on the walls at Ashley's. So, you know, the ghosts have their pictures hanging up. Uh, this is one of the ones I saw on the website, and I don't know that it's a ghost so much as just, like, an error when the film got printed. You know what I'm saying? Like, is that a ghost? Or is that just, like... It looks it like just... someone maybe smoked a cigarette right before the... <laughs> picture was taken right like i don't know i mean i guess there's like some kind of form maybe here but that i think it's not a ghost anyway apparently these are on the walls um and i will end the story of ashley's many ghosts uh with this quote from their website it says writers and photographers news reporters psychics and ghost hunters have investigated the restaurant and each have come to their own conclusions. Some believe the spirit of a victim of an accident on either the highway in front of the building or the train tracks in the back may have wandered into the restaurant. Others believe it is the ghost of an elderly male employee who did odd jobs and lived upstairs that haunts the building. But most everyone agrees that there is something strange going on at Ashley's. The question is what? If you aren't convinced of which story is true, be sure to come and experience it for yourself and then decide what you believe. So, multiple potential ghosts, multiple stories, multiple chokings and mirror poppings, and you just gotta go see what you feel. I'm good. No? <laughs> you don't wanna see Ethel in the mirror? No. Or see 1930 ghost shoes next to you? No. <laughs> um, so my sources for the story were Ashley's of Rockledge's website uh, and hauntedhouses.com which had a section about the restaurant excellent well we hope you had a very happy Halloween uh, and that you enjoyed these ghost stories but now it is time for our bar cocktail of the week and in honor of Halloween we wanted to talk about um, this murder mystery party that Laura and I attended, that Laura actually ran, um, she is on the board of an organization here in Astoria, but there was uh, a murder mystery party that was at a bar in Astoria. Yeah, so I'm in a group where we hosted a murder mystery party at a local bar called The Queen's Room, mm -hmm. and... It is one female owned, which is awesome. Yep. Two, a really big um, like community supporter. They're always giving back a lot to the community. And then three, just really good food and cocktails. Yeah. So we, we may have actually done them as a bar of a week the week once. We probably have. Um, like so so go track down that episode where we talk about them more. But yeah. But so we. The group that I'm in partnered with them, and we also partnered with Pomp and Whimsy, mm -hmm. which is a gin liqueur, and together our three entities were able to throw a really fun murder mystery party in October for the community, and... It was fairy tale themed. Yes. I was the fairy godmother. <laughs> I did not have a character because I was the the timekeeper. I well, knew all. You were the you were the, the rabbit from. Well, yeah, I did dress up as the white rabbit because I was the timekeeper. Right. 
I'm looking real quick to see if I see. Oh, yes. It was uh, in our Christmas episode in season one, episode 16, we talked about the Queen's Room. So if you want to hear more about their specific cocktails, you could go back to that episode. But we, like Laura said, it was co-sponsored by Pomp and Whimsy. And so they had three specialty cocktails that night. Um, and I had one that was obviously made with Pomp and Whimsy because it is an alcohol brand. Um, and with like honey and lemon. And it was really, I think it was lemon. Yeah, the bee's knees. Yeah, the bee, yes, the bee's knees. And it was very tasty and then they had other ones i know they had like a spritz i think and then i also had the bee's knees i can't remember what the third one was but they did make three custom cocktails for us that evening and for... oh it was tonic it was pomp and whimsy right like a gin and tonic oh was cool, it i think I'm... i feel like i would have gotten that then maybe it was i don't remember yeah i don't know why that's what i'm thinking it is okay. but but anyway, there were three custom cocktails. The ones we had were delicious. And I just really, they're also female-owned. Yes, Pomp and Whimsy is a female-owned, New York-based gin liqueur company. Uh, I just really like it. Their, their gin is very floral. Yes. And uh, it just pairs really well with those, like, not over-the-top fancy... Like, you don't need to add a lot to it to have mm-hmm. a good cocktail. So, you know, it is perfect in a gin and tonic. It's yeah. perfect with, you know, honey and lemon. You or know. with a wine, a sparkling wine. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the point of these three cocktails. They were so simple. But it was, like, to kind of showcase the flavor of the pomp and whimsy because there wasn't, like, tons of ingredients kind of taking away from the flavor of it itself. Right. They also gave us hella cute pins. Yeah, they were very good to us in terms of, like, giving us swag for our party and then offering a giveaway as well. So I've gone to a couple of events they've hosted in the city. They are just a lovely company to work with on top of making a really great quality product. Right. So, And shout out to the bartenders at the Queen's Room who put the cocktails together. And also the food that they, they had like a bunch of appetizers and it was so delicious. They had like a baked feta, it was like fancy, but then they also had like wings and delicious fries. Like yeah. they, they did a great job as well. And you did such a great job, Laura. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so it was just a really great event. We had a good time doing it. It was our first time. And hopefully we can do more in the future and partner with other great companies. Yes. So if you're ever in Queens, check out the Queens Room. And wherever you are, I think you could order Pomp and Whimsy, even if it's not sold at, like, your local liquor store. So definitely give them a try. Absolutely. And we'll post pictures, uh, maybe from the party. Sure. Uh, on our Instagram and probably more Instagram, but we do also have a Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to see the pictures, check out our Instagram. We're at a tap on the wrist. And then you can also send us emails with any suggestions at tap on the wrist podcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week spinning the bottle in regular rotation again. Yes. And we will see you then. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>